I, I'm Nishi Patel. I'm an award-winning accountant and Northamptonshire Business Person of the Year. And what I'm going to do is interview successful business owners to learn about how they achieve their dream and the adversity they had to overcome along the way. This podcast is essential listening if you're running a business and need the motivation to scale it. And what you're going to do is learn about what drives them forward when most people give up, how they made it through their darkest days, and the advice they would give to someone following in their footsteps. So um, today I'm privileged to be joined by Hazel Napier, from who's the director of BB Consultancy. Apologies, BB Contract and Legal, and um, she's going to tell us about what she does. Um, yeah, so kind of basically what you said uh, in a nutshell. So we do all things to do with contracts. So we write uh, bespoke contracts for businesses, typically like terms and conditions, subcontractor agreements, shareholder agreements, anything a business needs written down. And then we re- review the contracts that our clients get sent to make sure they get a fair deal. That's really amazing. Um, based on what you said, I've got so many follow-up questions. But um, before we go into that, maybe you could tell the audience about um, who you are, um, a bit about your upbringing and how you got into BEV. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess I had quite a relatable route into business because I never had a dream to write terms and conditions. I don't think any kid like wakes up hoping that they'll write T's and C's for a living. Um, so I suppose um, I was quite lucky with my upbringing because we, we grew up with not a lot. Um, my parents didn't have anything, um, but they had the drive to get us out of the council estate that we were living in. So basically they put my sister and I through a private school and we got the bursary paid for us so we didn't pay tuition fees, which is the only way we could have possibly done it. And that gave us the ambition to then go on to university. And I say university as though it's like a magical route into business and it's absolutely not because I spent 20 grand on drinking and having fun <laughs> I did. You, you know what, Can I, sorry, I, I've, I've got, I do have a question, I hope, hope you don't mind I interrupt, but um. What was it? Were you like one of the only um, like kids on a bursary in your private school? I think what? there were. I only know one other person um, that was on a bursary, and she was a friend of mine. And we both yeah. used to show up to this private school in our like battered cars. All right. My dad had once punched the window out of one of our cars <laughs> <laughs> to break in, and so it just sort of like covered in a t-shirt. Yes. And then my friends were rocking up in Range Rovers and stuff. It was super embarrassing, but um, <sighs> it was incredible to get us to that point. Is yeah well I mean <laughs> and how do you feel like being uh, like did were you accepted into the school oh yeah it- definitely they were brilliant and my friends were brilliant as well and I kind of didn't realize how different it was until like I'd go back to one of their houses and they were yeah. in like a massive mansion and you'd be thinking what's going on here like where are the fish fingers <laughs> but, but um yeah I mean it's all credit to my mum and dad really for having that ambition for us because I, yeah. I don't think I would have done that it was mostly because (laughs) she'll kill me for saying this but my sister was quite bullied at um state school yeah which is why they wanted to move her out of that and i kind of got dragged along with her to a better place but i think you know i could well still be on that crappy council estate if it weren't for my mum and dad and my sister um dragging me up to something better so yeah i'm very happy (laughs) in a strange way yeah okay and then yeah so i went off to uni i did languages which is honestly such a waste of my tuition fees um because it was just what I was good at at school really I didn't have a plan so anyone that like I just think feel so sorry for these teenagers that have so much pressure to decide what they want to do when they're like 18 years old honestly I can tell you now I didn't have a clue at all (laughs) so you're you're like pretty much the same age as me aren't you or yeah wait when you're 37 I'm 38 this this next week Um, Ah. actually yeah so you 
you didn't have to pay tuition fees, I guess, mm-hmm. or like you only had the bare minimum. Yeah, so yeah, but we got the massive, like the the maximum uh, we could take. And yeah, I did yeah, four definitely. year course, so yeah. it was quite a lot of um, money that I'm still paying off. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying because, um, like, when you got to pay. Uh, it, I, I'd make very different decisions if I had to pay like fifty grand in tuition fees. Oh god, yeah. Or like I don't know what it is, thirty thousand, forty thousand now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, whereas before it was free, so you you had the luxury of um, doing doing something just because your heart like wanted it. And or, I think that being at the school I was at, everyone went to university. Whereas yeah. at other state schools I was at before, no one went. So it was yeah. it wasn't even a do you want to go to uni? It was like what are you going to do at uni? And so I made you know it kind of wasn't even a decision to make it was just like what are you, what are you going to study oh okay i'll think about languages kind of thing so yeah that was that pressure to make a decision and go on to university and honestly um i had so much fun i had the absolute time of my life and wow, okay. it wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't what drove my career or anything where did you go to uni i went to bath oh right yeah that's a, that's a great place stunning yeah. city but so expensive yeah <laughs> so expensive it's... but um i had the, honestly had the most fantastic time and then kind of left there with no clue what I wanted to do I knew I didn't want to do languages as a career but I didn't have a plan so I just sort of bumbled about um my mum gave me a really good like work um she she made me yeah exactly work ethic so like we always worked in our school holidays and stuff she worked in the NHS and she'd always take us along to um so we'd do like placements at the hospital with her and yeah. I think because I was kind of representing her with her friends at the hospital, mm. I, I wanted to work super hard. Like I'd type so fast that my my hands ached at the end of the day. So <laughs> I was just like, I really want to do well. I really want to do well. So yeah. I, like every job I've done, I've done to the best of my ability. Okay. And I suppose like coming out of university, not knowing what I wanted to do, I tempt. I just tempt everywhere. Yeah. And I'd really recommend that to everyone because it yeah. gives you a really good feel for loads of different industries and loads of different yeah. types of jobs. Where did you temp or like just oh, industry wise, you know, everywhere. through specific cleaning kits. companies, okay. uh, events companies, ev- everything. And then I ended yeah. up at, just happened to end up at a lift company because Northampton and lift. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go hand in hand. And I guess it was again, working hard, um, luck of, luck of the draw. I met a great contact there who's still a friend of mine today and he took me with him to another lift company. And that's where I met Bev, who's my business partner. Um, oh, was she? So, so when you met was, Bev, she was working there. So she had set up the first day of Bev running BEB as a consultant in the yeah. lift industry. I met her. I sat opposite her. I was working for her client. Yeah. On Malton Park, and it was just one of those weird situations where she'd be coming in every week to do work for that client, and then. Um, I'd just sit opposite her and we'd kind of chat and she actually <laughs> so she offered me a part-time job yeah just doing some, some admin for her and she said the reason she offered me the job was because I never looked busy which doesn't oh, sound yeah. like a compliment <laughs> or, or maybe it's like you did something so effortless I think that's what it was so she yeah like, she, I'd like curl up on a seat and she'd see me as a bit of like a swan because everyone around me was panicking and yeah. crazy doing work but I was quite organized and had everything done and okay. that's why she thought cool, cool under pressure yeah so that's so, kind of how I ended up knowing Bev and the company. And yeah. then little by little, I worked hard, worked my way up. And now I part own it with her. How long between when you like joined it and became part owner? Like what um, was the length of time? Well, there? I think, so I've been doing 
bits here and there for her and then I was also working so I did um I left the lift company and went to work at the hospital so I did lots of random jobs in between yeah. um and then I quit the job at the hospital and she took me on full time and then she okay. made me a director for my 30th birthday so I reckon maybe as a birthday present or yeah. it was just coincidence it was or... a birthday present. Oh, right, it was okay. a letter she she gave me a letter on yeah. my birthday and I didn't really take it in because she also gave me a present it's like, oh, and yeah, I was just like it's... oh thanks and then she was like did you actually read that and I was like is it, <gasps> is it a share certificate <laughs> no or was it a present wrapped in a share certificate? <laughs> but it was uh, incredible. So it was probably about five years from knowing her to, to that point. Amazing. Okay. And then how long have you been with BV altogether now? So I guess more or less from the start. So we've been going for 14 years. Wow, 14 years. So 14 then, years. so you became like an, an owner like at uh, five years in, which would have been uh, nine years ago, I guess. Yeah. So she so I'm made... Doing maths. Oh, well done. Yeah, so accountant. Award-winning accountant. Yeah, exactly. That's how I won my award is. <laughs> so yeah she made me a director first and then I got shares later and then yeah never looked back yeah well um because I've come across people in the past and they're like oh I don't want the um the hassle of ownership I don't want to I don't want to work for myself I don't want to be responsible bring Mm -hmm. my my um my own stuff um in in like did you what made you want to do it I never really thought about it I suppose so that's the that's I think a lot of people that you'll interview on here kind of have a vision have a dream of owning yeah. a company or like setting up setting up a company or something so, so I, you had that dream before no, you were I, offered it not at or, all I oh, right, fell okay. into it yeah. <laughs> just some weird coincidence of like people colliding and just happen happening to meet at the right time well, okay yeah um did you then, have to do any research into it or did you just accept straight away or oh no I just went for it yeah I just like, bit her hand off okay because I go I guess um so I'd been networking yeah. with BB and I was fully invested in BB and I just thought this is my future and yeah. I fully believed in the vision and could just uh, you know there, there was no alternative so I never even gave it a yeah thought. it's no that's really good yeah do or die you know what? Sometimes, like I've, I've always got this belief, like if you've got to think about something, maybe it's not the right thing. Yeah. Um, like you should, you should just know in your instincts. You should be able to say yes in a split second. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I've been told I'm impulsive. Though. That's, uh, <laughs> you are impulsive. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you've known me for quite a few years, so uh, you can. Although you're impulsive, I'm trying to think. I, I can't remember. It's maybe not as impulsive as me, but mm-hmm. um, but I think to be a business owner, you have to be slightly. You're probably more impulsive than your average person. Yeah, maybe. Um, because you have to make quick decisions. Yeah, you do. Yeah, like it, there's. I think in business, there's a lot more opportunities, but they don't present themselves as long as they do in employment. Yeah. Like um, employment, you might have one opportunity, but it might be there for months. Uh, That's true. <laughs> it's like, hey, you got five minutes. Uh, and but then you know what that's like that's why you've got to have that um you've got to have that vision you've got to have that culture mm-hmm. uh, like you know documented because then you you can you can look at those and try and understand how well aligned that decision mm-hmm. you've got to make is sorry this is about business and preaching that's okay uh, did no you, so uh, i was gonna say did yeah. you have a dream like did you always know you wanted to run an accountancy business um I yeah I knew I w- well I, I didn't I wasn't born like <laughs> wanting to be an accountant with an abacus yeah it, it, you know I I got to university and I, I did a quite a weird degree I did a chemistry with enterprise management and oh. enterprise management is about starting up a business from scratch mm-hmm. and chemistry is in the name 
Um, and I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I can, I, there's some bits of chemistry I can do quite well because I've, I've got that ana- analytical business. But you know what? How many times can I make paracetamol? <laughs> it's like, right, no, I know you can make yeah. different drugs and then you can look at them through spectrometers and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just got to a point um, where I, I, I was like, hey, I've got the skill set, but it's being used in the wrong way. Yeah. But what I really enjoy about my course is the enterprise management, learning about business, like that whole risk of starting something up from scratch. And mm-hmm. that's how I got into accounting. I was trying to combine those two. And then when, when I got into it, I, I knew it was the only thing I wanted. But when I started my business, I I'd got to a point where I was, I was working for money, but nothing else yeah. um, in my career. And I, I I've always had this longing to be part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I, I like how you uh, exchange the interview roles. Uh, <laughs> but... I just think, I think it's quite, because I reckon people that are listening to this might be thinking about starting a business. But you yeah. you also only think, people that start a business have have this vision, have this dream, like they that's their yeah. ultimate goal. And we both are saying that, that we kind of came to it from a different way, which I think... I- no, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, I for me, I just wanted to be. I, I want to make connections that mattered. Yeah. Um, I know in a workplace, I'm not going to belittle anyone who works for someone else mm-hmm. here because it's really important for the economy and they they do and incredibly us. important work. <laughs> and us, yeah, yeah. more importantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's your the impact you can have sometimes in the workplace. If if you're the right kind of person for that workplace, it can be huge. Like a surgeon in the right place, a yeah. nurse in the right place, yeah. absolutely. And and very many other roles in the right place, mm-hmm. but I, I was in a place where all I was trying to do was help people that had a lot of money make slightly more money, and I was like, "Do I, is this worth the fifty-hour weeks? Yeah, is this worth uh, sacrificing the, the best years of my life for?" Yeah, and so I, I, I changed, and I, I wanted to do something for people that would really appreciate it. Some I could do the same amount of work where and but for people who would um it would make a really substantial difference to my life but the interview is about you Hazel. no no it's, it's the I, same it's, for me though because um yeah. i've worked in small businesses and i've worked in large businesses like before i came to be yeah and the impact you make in a large business is so depressingly insignificant yes, <laughs> so like i've worked yeah. i've worked my ass off for the nhs before and um just like you come up with great ideas or like the t- you hear the team come up with fantastic ideas and then you know it goes to a committee after a committee after a committee. <laughs> they spend m- tens of millions of pounds on it and then nothing yeah. gets implemented and you just think that's just so depressing. And then and then going, so I'd, I'd do part-time at NHS and then part-time at BEB. So yeah. I'd literally get the bus from outside the hospital to Bev's, oh, okay. wow. to Bev's garage. That's, that's dedication. And then I'd be like, I could actually see me making a difference there and then. Like, I've, I think we yeah. should we should implement this form. Like, how about we do it, do something yeah. this way? And she'd be like, oh, "Yeah, okay, great." And just instantly, everything yeah. was done. And I just that's that's what I love about running a small business is that it's so, you know, it changes so quickly, and everyone's input is so significant. And I can't imagine going into a big business ever again, to be honest. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. It's um. And you must have made some amazing relationships along the way. I know, I know quite a lot of people in the local community that speak very highly of you. Uh, <laughs> and you, you've helped our own business over the years as well. So Yeah. Um, yeah, we do a lot of networking. Um, so a lot of you probably know my team. Yeah. Um, Kerry and Molly do a lot of networking. They're fantastic. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's relationship building for us. And because it's quite hard to sell what we do 
again yeah. a business doesn't wake up and think oh i'd love to get some terms and conditions written today it's about yeah. education telling them the benefits and so on so kind of that constant networking presence is what we aim for me less than them yeah i, mean, <laughs> I, I don't practice what i preach in that regard but, but i guess the other side of it is like a, you know the, the stories i've heard from other people but yourself as well like is that networking has been hugely important to the development of your team like Mm -hmm. you know in terms of their own confidence in terms of their soft skills which translate into everything else what's your opinion on that yeah so we've um we've got a bit of a mix of a team so Kerry came to us with a sales background so she was already like ready to go but Molly started before her and she was I hope she doesn't mind me saying (laughs) she was very nervous I mean she was a kid when she started basically she was just fresh out of school and um I got to know her through her dad and he put her forward for the job. I don't think she'd have ever gone for it herself. Yeah. And we interviewed her and she was so nervous. She barely looked at us throughout the entire hour. Yeah. And then, yeah, she was just, honestly, for probably six months to a year, she wouldn't say boo to a goose. And now, uh, Molly, honestly, the person that runs this radio station can oh, tell yeah. you. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we just Chris. can't shut her up now. Uh, but she's fantastic. I mean, to see that personal development. And it was the same for me, actually, because I okay. used to be so nervous networking. So I do um, BNI, and I remember doing my first 10-minute presentation, (coughs) and for the, honestly, they gave me about three Mm. months warning, and that was the worst thing they could have done, because for three months I was petrified. I'd rather just have a surprise in your presentation. Oh my God, I lost sleep (laughs) for weeks, and then during the presentation I forgot to breathe, so I had to double over. And oh, right. like lean and breathe in in front of like twenty business owners and be like, <gasps> and it was so embarrassing. But now, like, I've done presentations for like four hundred funeral directors and yeah. don't even really plan it. So, yeah. I remember like, um, and I hope, really hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Um, <laughs> I remember like Ashish Kumar on my first one of the first mm-hmm. times I met him networking, and he was he was really struggling to get the words out, and he was like so nervous. And now he's like the most confident networker I've ever met. I know, met. like. And it's he's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. In and a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's always good to see him. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it does something to you. And I, I've always had this like way up in my mind. Like you know, a lot of people say networking's cheap uh, mm-hmm. uh, when you run a business because like if you look at the cost per meeting. Uh, sorry, I know. I know. I hope I don't sound pompous or anything. But it's um. But in terms of all the marketing, the tens of thousands of pounds we've spent on marketing over the years networking is a small proportion mm-hmm. of that so like it, it can look cheap but then you've got this other argument is well i'm absorbing an hour of my time as a director mm-hmm. but th- there is so much development that actually happens in ne- personal development that happens in networking yeah and you don't meet the right people all the time um but you just need to meet a few of the right people it's true and some of them are genuinely my best friends yeah so some people have been to bni so you know I've got a friend called Wendy I hope she sees this I hope she's super embarrassed but I met it's, her at BNI probably god eight years Wendy Oliver or? Uh, so her daughter yeah oh yeah okay um, uh, yeah. Penny's daughter Penny. Wendy yeah. um, I met her about eight years ago she left BNI probably seven years ago and I still see her most weeks and yeah and the same with Tom so that you know we've got some fantastic connections and you I mean how long ago did you leave yeah that was um that must be about seven years ago. <laughs> but there yeah. are you know you meet good people and you stay in touch and yeah absolutely so there's personal yeah. development there's business connections and there's personal connections as well yeah and I, I think that's one of the reasons like we're, we're insisting our team well no it's always voluntary I'd never insist I'd never make someone do what they don't don't do what they want to do so I'll put that right. But um, in the business, but I I recognise like the development 
I, I went through with networking because mm-hmm. I, I was really struggling to, to speak out in front of a group of people. Like this would, I, I would have gone networking for the first time probably about eight and a half years ago. Yeah. And I, I was like a nervous wreck. And, um, but then I had to overcompensate for it. I had to, like on the drive to the networking meeting, I'd just be like, hey, uh, I'd be remembering my lines and uh, mm-hmm. like in, in my head. And then I'd get there. And I, I think it's just one of those things like practice, like practice, practice. Definitely. And, um, but, but also I, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You have to force yourself to do that. And that's why I'm here. A right bit now. like a podcast, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, this is your first podcast, but I guess it's my second. Uh, uh, yeah. But so I can, uh, I'll show you the ropes. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so I think it'd be a good thing for our team, and they've started doing it, and they've they've gotten really enthusiastic about it. And I can start to see changes in the way they look at relationships, not in because they they want to monetize relationships, but more importantly, they they understand um, the importance of communicating effectively and learning and listening. And um, I, I think that's a really good thing for our business. I think it you have to have a team that believes in what you're doing, though, because yeah, it's quite hard to sell you know go along to a networking event and sell something that you don't act you're not passionate about so yeah. credit to you for having a team that wants to go networking for your business that's quite yeah absolutely and and well you too you're, obviously, <laughs> Ed, you, you, you're the expert um <laughs> thanks yeah is so you you've been in bb for 14 years you have been a co-owner for about nine and like it'd be really good to understand like what's i mean i think we understand what your first five years were like you you grafted you did two jobs at the same time you you proved that you wanted it i mean five years in and you're being offered like co-ownership that's it means that you're completely essential to the business um what was the nine years after that like so that's a great (coughs) question actually um so bev and i so (laughs) To say we're 14 years in, and then I look at other businesses that are, you know, they haven't been going for so long, but I, they've I guess got the more stat of a team. Is like, was it 36% of businesses making into their 11th year? I think so. We're is that quite. Forbes? I can't remember. But, we're yeah. quite naturally cautious. Mm. I mean, we literally write terms and conditions for a living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if we're not naturally cautious, something's gone a bit wrong. Yeah. But we've been really slow to grow it. So it's fair to say that probably for. Um, until we took the first team member on, so the so that would probably be Molly. We had a girl before her, but it would probably be Molly. So that's so was it just you and years. Beth for five yeah. years? Oh wow, okay. So five plus another three probably, <laughs> and then we took oh, yeah. on Molly okay. from there, and that's when we decided we were actually going to go for it. Yeah. So we have been quite slow and a bit cautious and a bit steady along the way. Was it what made you have the attitude change? Was it Molly herself, or was it something um, about? like the idea of hiring so molly wasn't the very first team member we had we had a we had an apprentice uh, before her but i mean i guess bev was always she wasn't very keen to actually be involved with the staff because she she ran a business before bb and it was a lot of hard work okay yeah and so she's kind of had a hands-off role with the staff um which is fine so she kind of said to me if i want to grow bb it's kind of on my hands (laughs) hands <laughs> okay fine. which has been yeah. uh, which has been quite fun actually and and i've really enjoyed the process um yeah. so yeah we had an apprentice before molly then we took on molly and i suppose it was just kind of the the being able to hand on tasks and realize that you might actually be able to build this business yeah. into something and that gave us the passion and drive to keep going and then 
So from there, how, we... how rewarding have you found like Molly's development? Oh my god, the entire team. Yeah. Are, at the moment, the team we have are unbelievable. Yeah. I, I love each and every one of them. They're absolutely fantastic, and I just think um, having a team of staff is the best and hardest thing about running a business and we were kind mm. of having a chat before the podcast about our teams yeah. respectively and just saying like how much we care about them and that mm. kind of makes it harder because when you have to make difficult decisions or when you have to yeah you know when you can't give them what what maybe they deserve then that's really tough um because but, we do care because we're yeah. small business owners I guess actually that's one of my biggest drivers because I, I think in my own business I got to a point where I was comfortable and I was like I, I'm comfortable, but if I just stay here, then these people are going to leave yeah. because they're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and I, I think you, you kind of secure or ring fence your own position. And then the next like expansion is about making sure that the key people in your business are, are going to get um, the the uh, growth that they want yeah. and um, and the rewards that they want. Mm-hmm. For me, it's been slightly different, I suppose, because I think because. Uh, that sounds really mean (laughs) but but I kind of want them to not have to go through the the struggle of not having the what I didn't have yeah so I'm kind of pushing for them faster than I had it yeah I think I think that's similar in in some ways yeah you 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 want to make sure that they they get well rewarded from the sounds of it yeah yeah but that's also tough in these challenging times the way I look at business, especially if you're dealing with inflation, like we're, most businesses mm-hmm. are at the moment. It's like it's like um, have you ever played Texas Hold'em? <laughs> uh, it's really. like a tub. I know. I know. Oh poker. yeah, fine. Yeah, like think casino <laughs> sure. all the way out. Yeah, all in. Must... It's all in for me. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> but actually like you know every time you go around the blinds get raised, mm-hmm. right? So even if you don't want to play, like you've got to pay more just to be at that table. Yeah, and um, and that that's the way I've kind of been looking at business recently. It's just like. You, there's the, the people that just want to stay still. It, they're, they're gonna, they they're just gonna be, um, they're gonna be phased out of the yeah. game. And um, it, I think the stakes are definitely a lot higher now because even if you don't deal with inflation, um, your staff aren't gonna get their pay rise and they walk out, and then you're gonna end up, um, not being able to delegate and do everything yourself and go backwards as a business. So yeah, that's a good it, analogy. But then you and I are both in professions that are quite old school. Mm. So accountancy and the law profession are both ancient and a lot of people behind us, you know. Yeah. So a lot of law firms aren't prepared to move with the times and a lot of accountancy firms yeah. aren't prepared to move with the times and I'm hoping that we clean up on their mistakes, really. Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, and But I think that there's a lot to be done with um, professionals in particular industry supporting each other as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, our, our goal or vision as a business is to make sure business owners get the support. It doesn't necessarily have to be from us. So if we can have an impact in our industry, which um, up-levels our industry, then mm-hmm. that's uh, better for business overall. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, I think yeah, you're definitely right. There sometimes in certain industries, they they are kind of set in their ways. Um, I, I guess like marketing, digital marketing, for example, they that that's just moving at yeah. a million miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. Whereas accounting, that's a bit like, scary too. Yeah, <laughs> the other yeah, way. Absolutely. And so you, you got to a point about three years into when you became a co-owner, which was seven years into your fourteen years overall. Um, mm-hmm. which, and you just, you hired Molly, uh, Molly o- over the next couple of years started being, um, 
really a, a really good asset for your business. And then what what happened there? So then we took on our first legally trained person, okay. which was a massive step for us. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Um, she was fantastic. She was brilliant. You know, everything okay, we yeah. dreamed she would be. And then six months in, she came to us and said, "I've been offered a job." that's paying almost double and we were like well we don't pay each other that so we can't pay you that and so she left I got okay and that was really hard so it was hard for her because you know she would appreciate we're a small business but also you can't turn down a massive offer like that no I I get it it was honestly a disaster I I, I phoned Bev in the car park just like what are we gonna do (laughs) yeah but but that brought its own opportunity in Kerry so we we basically replaced her with Kerry and honestly We've dream team, dream team. Yeah, she's when a door just, closes, the window opens. She oh, just yeah. took it and ran with it, and yeah. she's absolutely fantastic. She lives in Breezeby, and yeah, couldn't couldn't yeah. hope. And like you say, it wouldn't have happened if that disaster hadn't happened, which is it's been kind of a repeating thing in our career, I suppose. But yeah. it's just you know, it's just one of them things, and it's turned out for the <laughs> for the great. I guess like. I completely know what you mean because, like, uh, like, are you familiar with abundance mindset and scarcity mindset? And I think the first maybe couple of times you lose a member of staff, you, you're in the scarcity mindset. Like, they were the only person in the world. Uh, they, there is, like, yeah. th- there's no other employees, even though you see millions of people walking around, like, everywhere. Uh, and then, then eventually you realise, you know what? this is a great opportunity for our business let's mm-hmm. let's learn some lessons here fine do they leave it because it was because of us or were they the wrong person mm-hmm. a bit of both actually like you know we kind of overloaded them yeah. but the other side is they they wouldn't communicate effectively to us and get, tell us what they did want and you, you kind of and then the next time around you're like okay let's make these roles a little bit more defined mm-hmm. right hey you don't do everything in the business suddenly you know this is your area of responsibility and and over time your recruitment just gets better and better and you yeah. know what to look for and what not to look for and that's true as well and um so yeah since then we've taken on another two so we've got rebecca who does everything back at back of house so yeah um, everything admin and then we've got tracy who does all our marketing oh awesome yeah and that's again they're both just crucial they're both just fitted in incredibly well but since then we've had a couple of others come and go that haven't quite yeah just not quite fitted for some reason or like their circumstances it's been a lot of the case where circumstances have changed yeah either location or personally that just made it not work as well as it did yeah. so you know you just you have to move with the times but it has been tough getting to this point i think um a real turning point for me was um so we got a grant as part of the university there was a program going on oh, at the right, start okay, of the year yeah. And as part of that, we got a free intern for from oh, awesome. the university for okay. a month. And so previous to that, I, I was thinking that like one of our weakest points was our recruitment because, you know, we'd lost a couple. Yeah. They both said that our training wasn't great. And I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe our training isn't great. Yeah. And then we took her on. She just in a month, she was flying. And yeah. I think it just gave me the confidence to think it's not maybe us. Maybe it's a bit of both. So it's yeah. finally the right person that's willing to learn or wants to wants to, you know, grab it and ask questions and all that sort of stuff that it's on the job stuff with us. It's very much learning on the job. Yeah, I, I guess um, like, well, you, you and Bev have got a lot of experience anyway. And then like, you, I think some sometimes people just want like a manual handed to them. Exactly. Th- it's so hard. Yeah, I, I guess 
there's people out there that don't really understand like businesses like the wild west sometimes mm -hmm. it's um it, it's rough and rough around the edges there's there isn't there isn't always a rule book like you know if you went to work for mcdonald's there would be a rule yeah. book. but then i mean people at mcdonald's are great <laughs> definitely well um yeah it's <laughs> but uh there's if you've got that level of creativity or if you've got if you've got that like longing for like a you know to carve something independent out then you've, you've got to go to a business where they'll embrace that for you but yeah. then the the pathway isn't always clear yeah and that especially in training like you know we we're probably similar like i'd love to just put together a training manual but out of all the priorities we got it, it comes further down the list mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean training doesn't happen it, it just means that um it's it's a bit more random but at least people get trained on the things they need but also it's not a passive thing so i think yeah. we've had a couple of people that were hoping it would just be a passive you know they sit there we tell them how to do yeah, this thing and it's it's really not so no. you know kerry molly and i when we're on the phone to our clients we hear each other's voices in the way that we speak because that's how we've learned on the job is like asking yeah. the same questions in the same way is how you get that right answer from the client because what they ask for isn't necessarily what they actually need yeah, absolutely. So no, the vast, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, the number of times we get asked to do a partnership agreement and then you ask them a question and it turns out they're a limited company. Or like, <laughs> honestly, the questions that we have to delve into to find yeah. out actually what they need. And you can't, you know, if I just gave them a training manual that said partnership agreement, do this, this and this, that's no good. Yeah. So it's very much a case of having to know what to ask for and listening and learning on the job. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what, that, this is something that always comes back to bite me in the ass because I'm like, I've always... <laughs> said to the team question everything mm -hmm. um but but in a like a professional way obviously yeah. right and and then like we're, we're there making business decisions and i'm like i've got like six hands up saying like <laughs> why you're like let's do it this way and th there's a lot of debate that goes round around our decision making but then you know i'm not afraid to admit it but i backtrack a lot but not publicly like it's it, th there's people will point something out or I'll be like, I really disagree with you, but I'm, I need a third opinion. So I'll go to ask our clients. Okay, yeah. And then, and then they might, that a member of my team might've been right. But, but if I just gone ahead and did what I wanted to originally do without getting their opinion, then a third opinion, I, I, we probably wouldn't be in a good place. So it's, I, I think like um, this attitude where the team members do need to question. But one, one thing I've always said to the team is, like if you question me or question the business you've got to have the authority to question the business that means you you've got to be genuinely um engaged with the business yeah. you've got to love our industry you've got to want to learn more and you've mm -hmm. got to be on this quest to learn more um and you've got to be specific about what you are questioning mm -hmm. um it, it can't just be an attitude thing yeah yeah, yeah. so but that's kind of what we both said about not wanting to work for a big company is yeah you do want that input from the team and they do you know they've had fantastic ideas that i would never have come up with in a million years yeah you, you, it's quite insular running a business isn't it it's quite quite a lonely place sometimes and you might think that you have all the answers and you absolutely don't and until you speak to someone and say what do you think about that and that's the team yeah until, until you've got a team that you can trust and actually say well what do you think about this and then they come up with some brilliant ideas you'd never have thought of you just think actually this is a great sounding board uh, yeah you're absolutely right yeah and that's no, really good so then you got Kerry and then you know what hiring a marketing person I, I I can relate with you on this yeah right um hiring a marketing person for a small business it's quite a ballsy move mm -hmm. like you've got to really believe in the idea of marketing because mm -hmm. if you think about it 
it's one of those things you can't always measure. Like, you, you kind of can. If you get a client, they're like, hey, I saw your Facebook post. Oh, yeah, that came from marketing. But then it's the clients where they see a mixture of, of you, maybe networking and, and um, your business in various locations, plus the marketing, and you don't know quite where it came from. Yeah. And so it's just always been one of those things in your business that's it's quite difficult to measure the return on. So, like, what was going through your head when you when you hired your marketing person? So it was probably I'm trying to think when it was. It was either last year or the year before. Um, we were having a real boom. Like, it was business was great. Everything was great. We were, I think Tracy was our eighth person. We're back down to six, but Tracy's still with us. Oh, so yeah, credit okay. to Tracy, quite yeah. frankly. Um, I guess it was a case of. We all know that we're not skilled in this area. So we've always thought, you know, we've all, it's mm. always been one of our tasks. <laughs> yeah. So sending out a newsletter, let's do that. Okay, fine. Who's going to do that? So first it was Bev, then it was never going to be Bev. Then it was me, then it was never going to be was... me. Then it was uh, Kerry, then it was never going to be Kerry. Yeah. And it's just like always spiraled, never going to be one of us. No one actually wanted to take accountability yeah. for that task. And we kind of recognized that as a bit of a weakness. And so we knew that we needed someone actually to take ownership yeah. of this task and do it but you're absolutely right it's so hard to measure and I feel sorry for Tracy because sometimes I think she again I'm talking about them out of turn I hope they don't yeah. mind um but <laughs> I think sometimes she beats herself up because there's no definite you know I brought this into the team yeah but I I recognize that there are you know, you have to have so many touch points with a potential client before they'll actually yeah, become I, a client. I think client. it's like 15, isn't it? Yeah. 13 to 15. And so yeah. all of her social media posts, all of her, you know, constant marketing that goes on in the background is massively contributing to that. And although we can't definitely put an ROI on it, like, yeah, I realise that everything she doesn't do, mm. like what we were saying, saying earlier, either falls back on my desk or doesn't happen at all. So that yeah. can't happen in our business because we just wouldn't be able to grow. Yeah, um, you know what, that accountability thing you said, like that struck a chord with me because we've, I mean, we've been through some marketing people over the years and then we got to a point where it was just, you know what, who does marketing better? Our team, because they understand our business, yeah. like, you know, the people that are dealing with our clients. And so we, we split the marketing over everyone and, you know, to their credit, they really, <coughs> pardon me, um, to their credit, we really like stood up and like got involved and it, it, it was it's been amazing for the business to do that but mm -hmm. i think one of the challenges is when you split a role over too many people you lose that accountability but more importantly i think you lose that innovation like when there's just one person who's like solely responsible for that one thing um they they they've got time or they'll find the time to go and do the research and, and to learn about it mm -hmm. and and um and then improve what you've got and I kind of think like splitting over the team, it's been good because it's, well, firstly, it's helped me understand their, their commitment to the business and it is very substantial. Yeah. Um, but the other side is um, we, yeah, I, we, we're now reversing that where we spread it out of the team and try and condense it back into one yeah. person's role. And um, luckily we've got someone, not lucky, I don't believe in luck in business, but um, yeah. we got someone who really wants to do it, who's been in our business for a while, really understands our business. So um, from a marketing perspective, we should be in a much, much better place um, come the new year. But it, it, it is yeah. a real skill that I think people take for granted. So when you set up in business, yeah. you often try and do everything in-house, don't you? You try and be the jack of all trades and then you end up finding out that you're spending time doing stuff that you're not an expert in. Yeah. And so we try, we do try and outsource where we can because... You know, my time is better spent elsewhere, and yeah. I, I know that. 
I'm rubbish at marketing. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. rubbish at marketing. I'm rubbish at social media. I would never normally do a podcast for you. Yeah. This is credit to you. No, no, fair, fair play. Yeah. Thank <laughs> um, you very much. It's... And the team will all agree with this. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, we need an expert. We need someone that actually knows what they're doing. I, was, I think, I don't know if I'll say it to our most recent marketing person, but in the past I've said to marketing people, hey, you're like a journalist, but like a state-controlled journalist. You only, <laughs> you only report on the good stuff. <laughs> but... <laughs> they, they've got to I think they've got to be inquisitive right they've got to want to go learn about the business they want to they've got to talk to people in the team and yeah, understand yeah, yeah. Um, what, what their stories are how they've helped people uh, for us we, we've got to be really careful because we, we never want to breach confidentiality but there, there's ways to oh, present course. yeah present what's happened mm-hmm. and um, so that, that's really cool so yeah you you've you've grown the team you shrunk a little bit but then you're you're um growing again we're in such a good place right now with the people that we've got and it is all about the exact people so we've had more people Mm. that weren't the right people i'd rather have the best space to grow on yeah yeah and that's what we've got well i was reading um not reading uh, listening to the audiobook it's called uh scaling up like because uh, my favorite audiobook in business ever or any book in business is um is called built to sell by john okay. Morello, and then uh, then like audible was like hey if you like this you'll like this other book and uh-huh. i really don't like this other book but <laughs> I, i'm i'm it, it's relevant to what i do and so i'm forcing myself to listen to it to the end mm-hmm. but it's kind of painful because it's so dry um there's like I've, I've gone from like built to sell which is an amazing story about how someone did something to like hey these are the processes you need Okay. And uh, this is how you build each individual process. It's almost like a scientific method being okay. read back to you. But scaling up, like one of the things it talks about is essentially that a lot of organizations, they, they do something called a quitting bonus. So I think Amazon do it, but there's um, a few other companies as well. So like if you're in your probationary period, they'll give you £2,000 or dollars to quit. What? Yeah, and and then like when you get to your second year, they'll give you three thousand dollars, and then when you get to your fourth year, um, you get four thousand dollars to quit. And w- what they're doing is every single time, um, the, the the more investment you make in the company, they make it easier to walk away, financially, mm-hmm. but they don't, not emotionally, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And so what happens is people who aren't a hundred percent invested in that business, like emotionally and in terms of growth they, they will just take that bonus and say thank you i'll just go work somewhere wow. else and it's i think it's called a yeah it's called a quitting bonus um but what what i've realized is like the, the scaling up the book what, what it covers is it's saying some of the most successful businesses they'll pay double the market rate because they understand like you know one good employee can do the work of three employees mm-hmm. essentially and and then fine yeah it's better to pay twice to get three times as much mm-hmm. right and and it, so there is something to that and i think um i think what you're saying is is absolutely right it's just having the right people you don't need lots of people yeah and it's it has been tough getting to this point um and there have been people that you think are the right people and then they turn out not to be the right people. And But yeah, we're, we're in a great place now to build on that. I mean, yeah, I know. Like, uh, we've fallen off the horse a few times when it comes to um, <laughs> to staff members. And uh, some of the times it like identified a weakness in our recruiting mm-hmm. process and, and uh, or the way we allocated work in the business and the, or the way we constructed roles. And other times it was... Um, Actually, it was always on us. It was, I, I think about it, and being when you're the managing director, it means like you know you've got ultimate responsibility. There's no, 
there's never been an instance I could ever blame anyone else for anything that happened in our business. Yeah. Um, there's every single time something went wrong that I didn't want it to go wrong. I could always identify something we could have done to prevent it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, um, I think that's a really important thing, but, um, so you're about six members of the team now. Yeah. And one thing I really wanted to ask you, although I kind of know the answer already because we know each other for so long, but, um, what's the main difference between what you do and a solicitor might do for example the fees (laughs) um so really not a lot um so we're kind of a hodgepodge bunch of um variously qualified people really yeah so we've got some paralegals we've got Kerry who's doing her master's in law um and basically it's really so we're kind of the people that would normally do the drafting in a solicitor's office yeah we've gone out on our own we've gone rogue and that just it's, really means that we can do it for a lot cheaper. We're also specialists, so yeah. you know, a lot. Of, we do actually work really closely with some solicitors' firms now, where yeah. they will outsource it to us. So like, we'll la- white label it for them, but we do the drafting, oh, really? okay. and then they put their name to it and charge whatever they like for it. Yeah, and that's actually been a great model for us. And but you know what? I I think I've always found like a lot of the time legal advice is inaccessible to small mm-hmm. businesses because like if you you're getting charged three hundred pounds an hour, I'm not saying solicitors aren't worth three hundred pounds an hour, yeah, but yeah. Th- there's a lot of overheads and also there's a constraint of supply that's being built into that. Yeah. And whereas with you, you've got a lot more flexibility in it. Yeah flexibility but also we like to think that we talk to our clients like they're normal people yeah we get a lot of really good feedback from that so sometimes we'll have a client come into the office and we'll run through the draft with them and they'll go they'll leave and they'll say actually that wasn't as bad as i thought and we're thinking <laughs> what were you expecting yeah, <laughs> like actually it's... we're talking to them like they're normal human beings well, I, I, which in I, our profession is quite um, yeah. unusual i think because normally you know you go to a sister's office you have to park somewhere, pay for parking in town and walk up to them and then the receptionist might deign to offer you a cup of tea while you wait for the solicitor to come, to come downstairs. And it's all a bit like, yeah. that's not us at all. You know, we're, we're normal people and we'll yeah. talk to you like you're a normal person yeah, and that's quite pop, refreshing. Pop yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've always believed like you're not a seasoned business owner until you've been sued a couple of times. <laughs> Um, but like you know, I've got solicitors' letters in the past. It's never been successful for them, but it's like you know, people try it on. Sure. Um, but I've got solicitors' letters in the past, and um, and it's like it's like a different language. It's like what there's just regular words they can use, <sighs> and they use like something out of like the Latin yeah. dictionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And absolutely, and they pride themselves in that. That's how they charge yeah. their fees. Exactly. And, you know, when you, when we're writing a set of terms and conditions for a client, we're always very careful to write, you know, you will do this and we will do this. And actually, so that they can understand it, because yeah. then you're far less likely to fall out if you actually but understand more what you're saying. yeah, and, like, your customers understand. Yeah, sorry, that's exactly. what Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't need to be full of house of force yeah. and notwithstandings. It can actually just say, you will do this and yeah. we will do this. And that's a contract. Yeah, it's quite um, a new world approach, I suppose. Yeah, but I don't know why it can't just be like that generally. I, I guess, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, this, it, there's value in the simplification. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, you know, it's just as protecting and, and more so because you're less likely to fall out because you yeah. know what it says. Yeah, absolutely. And what, like, is there a particular industry that you focus on at the moment? Not really. I mean... It's quite hard for us to niche down, really. Um, I suppose mm. we've always said, you know, smaller businesses that haven't got their own in-house legal department. Yeah. But we've also we're also working with some of the biggest um, businesses in the world, so we're yeah. just kind of supporting their legal team as well. But no real yeah. specific industry. Um, I mean, we've worked with 
architects, accountants, funeral directors, fish auction sites. Oh, Honestly, right, okay. the it's, weirder, the better. If your fish doesn't very turn out fresh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's awful. It's, <laughs> yeah, so very, yeah, weird and wonderful. It's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that Tesco advert where, like, the fish look un- looked unhappy and <laughs> the woman wanted her, her money back or, like, there she's going to get her money back. But yeah. I, I guess that was a terms and conditions nightmare for, for them. Yeah, um, or not. Or yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe yeah. no one actually wanted to return a fish. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I, I mean, no, that makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, you do kind of niche anyway, because, like, contracts are, are quite a specific yeah. area of law. Yeah, that part of law in itself. So, again, a lot of people are used to going to a solicitor's firm where they also deal with divorces and they also deal with wills yeah. and they also deal with everything else. And they're probably not the best person that you want writing your business contract because do they yeah. get your business? Do they understand what it is that you do? Whereas we... Or are they just assuming your business will split up at some point? Or... probably just yes. a template, if I'm yeah. being perfectly honest. Um, we've seen a lot of templates in the past where they haven't even changed the name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, Whereas, you know, you come to us, we actually care. We're small. Yeah. We, we actually care about what your business does and we'll find out what it does to the nth degree so that we can write the terms and conditions to suit yeah and that, absolutely and finding out about risks and things that you might not have even thought of so when i said we're risk yeah. averse that's all we do we're always thinking about danger yeah <laughs> just constantly like oh, i'm red alert but so. you know maybe then in some ways maybe you're not cheaper but you a lot more effort goes into into the the quality of the work 100%, that you produce because i think these days in general people aren't looking for cheap i know it, it well there's a, a looming recession uh, although we're not allowed to talk about it but mm. it's uh but i, I guess I think people always want more value. Like, mm-hmm. if a business owner has been round round the houses enough times, they know like if if you buy cheap, you buy twice, yeah. and and a lot of the time you end up with all other kinds of complications in your business. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I would say on that we're not, you know, what's cheap? You know, you can buy a you can get a free download. Yeah, That's you can cheap. actually. Yeah. Whereas we are it's- affordable, we're definitely affordable. We're more affordable than solicitors, but you you're getting something yeah. quality. I guess like sometimes I what I found with solicitors, but it's you know I, I know some great ones as well, but they're they're so used to writing and speaking a different language mm-hmm. that they can't listen in regular language. Yeah, it's uh it, and it's almost like they're expecting like a, a regular person on the street to talk their that lit their litigation language. Yeah, yeah, and then they don't even have to do the translation. That's but. true. But I also think you know, like you say, you know some fantastic ones, and so do we. Like yeah. it is a world that's changing for the better. Because mm. I think a lot of these high school solic- high school high street solicitors um, that have always done something a certain way kind of aren't uh, succeeding that much. So so I think you know there is there is the opportunity for change in the legal world and you know mm. we're working with some fantastic sisters that, that actually care about their clients speak to their yeah. clients in a normal way and that's kind of where we want to build on <laughs> yeah absolutely okay amazing yeah, yeah. so um there I, I think i mentioned before there's some questions i really want to get answered during yeah. this podcast so what what do you what would you say is the most challenging thing that's happened in your business i'd say we're in it right now Okay. So we've had a really tough year. Yeah. So, th- you know, and a lot of people I speak to in the networking world are saying the same thing. But I guess, um, so we thought COVID would be the worst year for us. And actually COVID was our best year because people mm. actually had the time. You know, they were sat at home with not a lot to do. They got grants and whatnot. Yeah. And 
had some money to spend <coughs> on their businesses whereas now as our clients are feeling the pinch we're feeling the pinch too so is that because they're, they're delaying the purchases and yeah yeah i i, I guess it's uh yeah it's it's challenging time for many businesses isn't yeah it? it has been tough it's been a really tough year yeah. but i think i'd like to think we're out of the worst of it now um personally are, are you taking any kind of action to deal with it or are you just going to ride it like a surfer <laughs> i mean a bit of both i suppose yeah. i mean we're trying very hard not to cut costs because um, yeah you know it's not what we're at we're, we're all about growth um but yeah like i said i think we've had the worst of our times as a business mm. um earlier this year and now we're just kind of riding the storm and hoping that we're we're out yeah. at the end of it but I, I guess actually like it because you know part of the question is like you know what what got you through your toughest times when most people wouldn't get through them and i think you kind of um hinted at it and it's just like trying really hard not to cut costs because the, the thing that from what i've seen that kills most businesses in a recession is they just have this knee-jerk reaction yeah. to slash spending on everything yeah whereas actually it, it's like the opposite way around it's almost like trying to run through a barrier yeah like, and maybe like was it harry potter and the platform nine <laughs> or three quarters or whatever it is and um it's you've got to have this faith and you've got to know that the, the recession won't last forever or whatever is going on won't last forever i definitely think being 14 years in yeah has given us the confidence to carry on whereas i think maybe if we'd been four or five years in we'd have thought actually do you know what this is too tough we'll yeah. walk away and do something different but because we're this you know we're this far into it i yeah. feel like we can you know we've weathered other you've stuff seen, we can make it yeah you've seen different cycles and but it's not saying it's not been difficult but you're absolutely right you know so many businesses i know in covid just cut all marketing costs yeah. and i was just thinking what are you doing that's the worst possible decision like you should be marketing yeah. harder than ever what's the saying you so you cut marketing for a week you feel it for a month you cut it for a month you feel it for three months you cut it for three months you feel it for a year yeah and um yeah it makes sense it's um, and a lot of those businesses aren't around now yeah that did that so i think you've got to be brave keep investing yeah keep holding on but you've got to have the reserves to do that so again plan yeah plan ahead. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and you've got to i think you've got to demand like a great level of commitment from everyone in the business that, yeah. like those kind of times you can't have passengers mm -hmm. like even if you've got spare capacity you've got to find ways to use that spare capacity yeah. in your business but um yeah I, I i agree with that and I, I think like you know a lot of people they they only see the downside they don't see the opportunity and it's like a lot of businesses they just stop marketing during a recession yeah. and that means you can your marketing pound will go so much further it's that's true less people talking it means they're gonna more people are gonna hear you that's true and there'll be big, bigger businesses that are absolutely capitalizing on this whereas yeah. you know we could have a, a a share of that market if we just keep going keep going we can we can get through this yeah absolutely okay amazing so hazel why do you get out of bed in the morning i think it's mostly for the team so i've got such great faith in the team that we've built and i kind of want to leave a legacy so you know i want to build something that will keep me going when i want to step away from the business but yeah. also something that, that keeps them going because i know that how passionate they are about the company and i've desperately want to keep it going for them so i suppose i drag myself out in the hardest times just to keep keep it going for them guys yeah that because they've mean, shown loyalty amazing. to me and i'll yeah. never i'll never let them down <laughs> I, I guess yeah you do it for each other mm -hmm. yeah that's that's really cool and um what advice would you give to someone following your footsteps um i'd say don't worry if you don't automatically have a dream 
um if you haven't got a dream idea for a business but you still want to be a business owner if you've got something that you're passionate about if you've got something that you love doing you can make it work okay absolutely amazing and then final question what's next for you um onwards and upwards really so we're hoping to build a bigger team you know massive team in northampton i'd love we we thought originally about having a um, offices across the country but now I think you know everything's gone online so yeah it's... big team we all love working together so yeah. big team in Northampton and then yeah the, the family it's... yeah and okay Hazel that's been absolutely amazing um thank you so much for coming on this podcast thanks for inviting and... me so out of my comfort zone <laughs> okay. so um everyone that's uh Hazel Napier from BB Contract and Legal on Unrelenting Drive so join us at our next episode and thanks for listening and watching <laughs>